0: This is the Sounding Board podcast with Haji and Damo. Thanks to
1: Drinkwise. If you're choosing
0: to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Episode thirty of series six, and it's always a good week. Well, it's always a good week for me anyway. When I come across an article that references Dylan Howard, and I did that this week. It was a link to an article in the New York Times. It referenced Dylan Howard. It didn't have your name in it, though, Craig Hutchison, but uh, I do like the way that the mere mention of those two words, Dylan Howard, always has you uneasy and shifting in your seat as you are doing right now. As I say hello to you and welcome on this particular episode of The Sounding Board for Drinkwise.
1: Hello, Damo. Great to be here for Series 6, Episode 30, and you're running the same old tired stick as you've done in the Series Six series and 29 eps before it. I have a question for you off the top. Then no, no, I want you to address,
0: address this Dylan Howard article before we... I have not seen it. No, I'll, I'll tell you about it. He's uh, his latest foray into media in the States, and he's become a very big operator in the States, and a lot of it's been controversial. We don't need to back over every aspect of that uh, controversial approach, but... He's bobbed up again, Hutchie, uh, running a magazine slash publication in the exclusive Hamptons area, an area well known to you. So again, it's closing in on you. Dylan Howard's coming into your patch um, via his connections with the, the Grazia organisation. And it was a very interesting article in the New York Times.
1: Take your word for it, Domo. Nothing there at my end. I'd noticed, uh, and my thoughts are with everyone in the Hamptons, by the way, I haven't Read the reports today, but Hurricane Henry was descending hard yesterday. Hurricane Dylan's there at the moment. How is how is the Hurricane Henry gone? Do we are we across the Long Island and Hamptons fallout? No. Just have a look at on NewYorkPost.com at the moment. It's very potent and. An alarm still going. So thoughts are with everyone in the Hamptons, as far as I would go on that front. There are lots of friends in Amagandad do, and you? East Hampton yeah. and beyond.
0: How would Dylan be received in that exclusive um, area? Nothing to say or to add. Well, you can't because if you've actually got a legal threat against you talking about him. That, that came some years ago that you're not allowed you know, to talk about I know him.
1: that suits your narrative, but my choice here is also a very big factor in moving on to this. Tell me this question. All right, we'll move on. Media who jumped the fence. I know Jane likes a little headline for the last week's headline, by the way, I didn't think it was perfect, Jane, but you've had a pretty good run, so you can be excused for an off week. <laughs> what was it last week? I can't remember. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was an anti-sell, the headline last week. Was <laughs> Say something or get off the fence and have an opinion or something like that. Right. It wouldn't have got me in as a consumer. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you've, had a good, you've been very good at these for a long time, Jane, so we all have a soft week. Media who jumped the fence might be better one you. She be like
0: the Western Bulldogs. She might be losing matches late in the season, Jane.
1: <laughs> Media who jumped the fence. Now, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. People oh, who, I think I do, yeah. People who yeah. are ex-genos who become head of corporate affairs or-, or, or, or P- I think the PR terminology, slacks.
0: I think the terminology Hutchie, when you're in the trade, as we are, go to the dark side.
1: Dark side, okay. Yeah. So my question is this, Damo. We've seen a lot of- Accomplished journalists who are either a poached over to be heads of PR, b have always wanted to do that anyway because it generally pays more, or c have ended up in special projects in businesses and that was the only organic next step. Yep. When you jump the fence, how much fair game is it to share what you learnt if you jump back again? I sp- I say this for this reason: Malcolm Con's column in the Australian last week, hmm. where he spoke at length about Justin Langer's behaviour when he was working for Cricket Australia, albeit temporarily in that role. Yep. A lot of cricket identities say that it's actually a breach of trust to share that information when you Mm. go back to becoming a journalist. Like, you should be beholden to that role at the time. He would say, I've always just been up front with what I know and shared it with the audiences that I enjoy, and that's just how it is. Where do you sit on this issue? It's an
0: interesting one, and that... that to, to your point about assessing Malcolm Conn, that is who Malcolm Conn is as a journalist, who he is as a person. I, I would I would put Malcolm Conn up there just in terms of the people I've come across in journalism, up there with Nick McKenzie and Robert Craddock, in, in the people I love as journalists. I've known a long time. I'm not necessarily, um, what you'd say, mates with Malcolm Conn, but I've always had um, an amazing respect for him. Just to put that on the table, Hutchie, I, I I love what he does. And I think what he wrote in that particular article, I read every single word. It was a fascinating piece. It had detail that was compelling reading. And that was Malcolm Conn being true to himself. Is it fair game to use that information um, back in your journalistic career? Can I answer it this way? I, I would, if if I was in the situation, privy to conversations in that particular um, field, in a in a, in a former... Professional life. Now, this is just me. It's not ju- me judging anything. I don't think I would have used the information. So you did the. You think you did the wrong thing? No, no. I'm not. I'm not even. You disagree. Say that. You wouldn't have done what he I, did. I, I don't think I would have been able to bring myself to 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 write that article that way. You're saying you wouldn't have done what he did. I, I don't think I would have had you. So you can never know until you're in that situation yourself. But I, I reckon that's the way I would have approached that. Before I go any further, let's get your opinion on
1: that side of it, and we'll we'll way well, through. You can imagine it went something like this. The editor went down to him and said, this Justin Langer story has been going for weeks and weeks and weeks. You worked with him firsthand. Yep. You played that role. Have you got any insights you can share with us? Come on, write something. And he would have gone, okay, yeah, well, there are a few things. I don't think anyone really asks or has to ask Malcolm Con to,
0: to do anything. I, again, I I, don't, I have no yep. idea how it unfolded. But, okay, let, let's, for the sake of this argument, say it happened that way.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the outrider here is the volume of stuff that was being written about him. Yep. So was the volatility like, of... It wasn't like he just came in one day and breached a bunch of confidences out of the blue. I think the back the volume of things people were talking about yep. how he behaves made it a little bit more relevant than a normal day to share it. I still agree with you though. I think you, Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think you can I don't think you can be paid by a business. I, I share your views on Malcolm Conny. I love him too, by the way. Yeah. And, he's and, and,
0: and Hachi, let me say this too. I'm not judging him because I, I won't judge journalists in, in that heat of battle in that moment because I, I've done stuff that other journalists I'm sure would question what I've done. So I'm not judging Malcolm Connie. I'm just in the cool light of day thinking I don't think I would have used that information in that article that way. That, that's just my
1: situation. I'd like to think I agree with you. I, again, I don't know in that spot whether I would have been tempted to write the story. It was a great story. Great story. It, yeah. Fascinating to read. I'm, I accept everything that was true. Yeah. I feel like if you if you people behave around you as a, as a teammate, you probably have a moral obligation to that teammate ship, yep. even if it's not written. Mm. Post leaving, particularly when you go back, I was running the lens of would Mike Sheehan have written a story for the Herald Sun about his time as AFL head of media? And you'll find that privately, you know, Wayne Jackson said this, and so and so said that. I don't think he would have. But then again, not to sit in, and then but we see this breached all the time with books, right? People say things to people Mm. all the time, thinking that they're in confidence as a teammate, and then it ends up in a book, and you go, "Well, why is a book? Why is a book different?" Yeah, I can't, I can't dispute that either. Um, I can't dispute that either. Like people seem to apply a more liberal sense. like if he'd written that in a book, no one would have cared probably, but he wrote it in Mm. a column, yeah, yeah, newspaper column, and and it's thorny, yeah. I think I don't, probably an extreme example, but you were in quarantine last year. I'm sure you saw lots of things in AFL quarantine that, because of where you were and the privilege you held, mm. you didn't think it was fair to report them retrospectively. Like I'm sure you saw things that, ne- that are newsworthy now that weren't then. Uh yeah, some might
0: have even been then. Um, but look, I, I I have happily now and have for many many years um, put my hand up with conflicts in this caper, and, and yeah, I, I think. That aspect that we've just raised there is is a valid the, a valid part of this conversation.
1: The reason why I say this is most sports see their media head as their protector, so they they do they mm. are vulnerable around them. Mm. They do say, look, you they do get access to the worst of people. They say, look, you know we've got a problem over here. You know how would you help us solve it? You know, mm-hmm. as background for you, should this come up, so and so has done something really bad. Mm. We're trying to keep it private, so. In those instances, you'd you'd like to think that you can trust that person for the period of time they're there. It's a little bit abnormal because there was such a media circus around Langer. Yeah, what's clear—the Langer um, story in itself is fascinating, isn't it? Like, it's—I don't know how he continues with what's being
0: said and and clearly published about him right now, And, and and even Adam Gilchrist's offerings publicly through the um the Sen. SCN Perth operations?
1: Yeah. yeah. He, Adam's been defensive on SCNWA for the most part. I think Adam's view on Friday was that it was, he didn't think it was the right thing for Malcolm to have shared the Did he say that, did he? I think yeah. I think he inferred yeah. that, yeah, in the yeah. workings. But the interesting thing about modern-day coaching – It's a fine line, though, isn't it? I mean – Well, modern-day coaching, it, it, we talked about this about eight weeks ago. You, you almost can't – it's very difficult as a modern-day coach to give honest feedback to anyone. Yeah. Because once you do, you've seen as a – Tyrant or a bully mm. or any of those things. And that was the era we grew up on as coaches. But it's, it's is changed. anything as protected these days, though, Hutchie? as it, as it once was? In terms of like everything's out in the open. Yeah, yeah. I can I can understand that argument as well. I'll, I'll I mean, the, the saturation point to
0: to the to the media world, um, I, I think, has it that you know, in some people's eyes and even in some people's ears, listening to this conversation, might be we think, well, it's fair game.
1: And the when the, the lesser people you coach, the more vulnerable you are to their power. We said in the NBA, right? If you're a coach of five players and you've got one mm. star player, star player doesn't like you, you're in trouble. Mm. The Australian cricket team is only 11. Let's narrow it down further. The bowlers, the bowlers have got disproportionate power because A, they've kept the team going. <laughs> B, they're putting out press releases about themselves and distancing That's themselves right. from that. They did too. The sandpaper game. if I'm Justin Langer I, on that, I say, listen, boys, A... Yeah. We're a team here. We don't put out press releases groups within the That's team. right. There were five of them. Now, they? Like they, yeah. they went rogue and did that themselves. They should have been, someone higher than Langer should have come in and said, enough's enough. Yeah. You guys are putting out press releases, distancing yourself from Sam Paper Gate. Give me a spell. Two, of course they knew. So, like, no one's buying the crazy you're selling anyway. Yeah. So, anyway. But it's hard for a modern day coach because unless you've got, unless you've got, um, the board totally aligned. they everyone gets a bit jumpy. Yeah, it's
0: it's a fascinating conversation for for us that and we who are we're still in debating the, it and we've been in the industry twenty five. Uh, and I, I don't I don't think he's I'm not firmly I'm not. The movie I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm almost convincing myself that maybe you know I'm still being weak in, in not maybe you know, writing some of the stuff that Malcolm Conn has clearly been prepared to to write and, and the way he's written it in this article. So the old schoolers though they they there's, wouldn't have liked it. They there's a don't. lesson
1: though for coaches and CEOs around sport. Your head of media is your only your head of media for the time they're there. So if they don't want them to know anything that's too deep or personal, um, perhaps don't tell them. And they, and they, and accept that what you say to them may be fair game in the future. If you're trying to give them respect the whole time, by the way, it should never matter. Right? So yeah. if Justin had been entirely respectful the whole time Malcolm was there, he didn't run the risk of it being written about him in the first place.
0: There's that element of it too, isn't yep. it?
1: Your, your own behaviours. Anyway, is it exact science?
0: No, it is, and we can talk about it another hour and probably get no closer to. uh oh, by the mailing way, I
1: a tick. The Cricket Australia for doing a statement, but a big cross on the on the nature of the statement was too late. So this is this
0: is Nick Hockley, who is now the the CEO permanently. Yep. He, he put out a statement on the back of the articles and 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 commentary around it. Too
1: late in the day and not um, firm enough.
0: What, was it in relation to Malcolm's? article specifically, or, or others? Yeah, it was on combined. that
1: on that day after the Inferno reached the yep. pitch. It was 5.30 late in the day. Now I suspect they had to get everyone aligned and sign off on the wording and all that stuff that makes modern-day statements are pretty hard to do, by the way, because yeah. everyone's got to sign off on it. Yep. Once upon a time, you put a statement out and everyone would read it. Now, now you know every known person, known to man, who might otherwise be mentioned or referenced in the, in the statement, yep. having ticked off on the fourth paragraph. Do they have the power still, the statement? The the. the
0: Email release statement or the social media release statement these days, as it once did, because um, because I've I, I, I now think that I've seen that again here, I've read that and
1: that, that's just they're not designed to be covered there, but they're powerful if you don't do them too. Just ask David Teague, when you don't get supported, it's worse, right? Yep. But that that's just a box ticking exercise. Speaking isn't of it? which, where, where's that going to land? It's twenty past four on Monday hmm. as we record the sounding board this week. By the time many people download it, there'll be probably an outcome, good, bad, or indifferent on the Carlton coach. But just. Not to do something that's timeless in this in this podcast, but what's it? Put it to the record. What do you think will happen?
0: I can't see him being there. But
1: I I, I reckon
0: David Teague was a a late wake up to that last week um, when he finally and for the second time it must be said, but but for the most strong time, the strongest time he'd been was uh, he, he gave a couple of jabs, didn't he to people at, at his own club for, for not refuting some of the stuff that had been said about him. Yep. And it's going to be interesting to see how they with how they that, from here. With that, Hutchie, Luke Sayers is obviously a, a high-end, high, high, high-end operator in the business world in Australia, maybe even internationally. PwC is, are his links, and that's as big a company as there is in Australia. He was head of that. Other business pursuits now. He won't, he won't be the first person to be at the top of his game business-wise coming into a football club position of, of power and profile and, a, and not getting business. it right.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean he's been on the board for nine years, so he should have a level of exposure to what happens here. But now that he's in the chair, I, I again this has happened this has happened since you died, Hutchie. The business person coming into the football, you actually have to understand A football and B the media and industry that football is. And the media being the key part of this this next phase of whatever happens to Carlton.
1: True. One, I wouldn't underestimate him, though. He's a smart guy. If he hasn't worked out yet, he soon will. Two, it doesn't matter what you do publicly, someone criticises you, so you might as well just do what you want to do anyway. Which I think he's taking that view. Because it doesn't matter what you do, there's a bunch of us unhappy with it.
0: No, no, I'm not even actually focusing on that aspect of it, Hutchie. I'm focusing on the care factor and the care element to the people that are at your club who you've employed now for some time david T being the head of the football department effectively as coach but other people in that department do you agree that they've been there because since the review was called they haven't had security over what they're doing so they're interviewing people about next year not knowing if they are there they can't make decisions and and there's but they've had no guidance whatsoever you can understand why this season fell away
1: dramatically and and quite poorly. and if you want to trace it back to the problem if the problem was not making the hand over a president in the middle of the year, right? Yeah. Like Chris Judd. When, when was the last time we saw Chris Judd? he was been out for a year, hasn't he? A while ago, yeah. I, they've had no footy director for nearly a year. And you've got an outgoing president. The outgoing president's around
0: 22. He should have left the room at around 11. And then one of the, one the, us to all pat him on
1: the back on the way out with a statement himself. The achievements email. Oh. <laughs> and then, and then the new president's been, he had to land... He had to go day one. Like, the day first day in, he had to say, this is what we're doing, didn't he? You can't... But he, does he have the right, though, Hutchie? See, this is, th- this is what I don't get about footy clubs. He's been president in everything other than name for three months anyway. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. yeah. But he's also
0: been on the board for nine years. Yeah. Nine years. That that's, not, that. that's beyond some clubs' constitutions of time on a board. He's already been there nine years. What does he need to know? And I would have thought the first thing to review at that footy club might be the actual board
1: itself. Yeah, it's been a bit of a, a problem child for a while, but... Yep, I would have thought he, given the three-month handover, the the move was to land day one with a plan. This is what we're doing. Hmm. My first day in the chair, and here's where how we're going forward. All, already, he's been in the chair officially five days. I'd say unofficially ninety-five days, and and looks a little like caught in two minds, doesn't he? Which he's not. He clearly knows what he's doing, but the well, public does, does he? The public oh, narrative doesn't doesn't read well. You you now you've wound uh, our our
0: mutual. Good friend up on the last couple of Saturdays. I want to say wound up. I say that uh, quite playfully. Didn't, Liam Pickering, manager of David Teague. Um, you, he, he does. He doesn't need winding up. He, he winds himself up and, and he does I, it strategically. And I think he's been quite clever how he's done. Can I be honest
1: about this? Yes. I actually wound him
0: down. <laughs> okay. He was very, very wound up. Yeah. I I, I like him standing up for his man.
1: That's what you want. From Two your weeks manager. in a row. Don't you think
0: that's what you want from
1: your manager? Should he have gone earlier? Could he have gone earlier? I think he was as vocal as he could be as soon as he knew that there was which way it was headed. And I think David's clearly been frustrated he hasn't been supported. Hmm. Now, you, you run the reverse on that. It's hard to support someone who you don't intend to re sign. If that's Carlton's view, what are you meant to say? Hmm. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'd be feeling better if you are me there was a review. Oh, I can't tell you that today. You know, it's, a, it's it's not easy. Yeah. And the independent nature of it too, Hutchie, I think you know my views.
0: I, I don't know why. If, if you can't. I mean, this is why you've got a board with Luke Sayers on it, isn't it? You, you tell us how the club is, needs to be structured. You don't, you don't then need to gather people yep. in from other clubs who may have a questionable pass themselves telling you no, how to run not, your club.
1: don't need to do a drive-by on the way through. That's not reasonable. That was a cheap shot. Take that back. Take what back? No, questionable. That's, that was an unnecessary cheap shot. You, you've really got to rise above that, don't we? You hang on to too many grudges. I don't know why. Oh, by do, the way. Do, does, does the Daily
0: Mail need to get over some, some stuff too, Hutchie? The Daily Mail that we, we see occasionally. I, I ask because I thought I thought the 2021 best offering from the Daily Mail was Jimmy Bartell walking past the house at, when she, at which he once lived and that being a story that he may have even been thinking something at the time he walked past their houses to a past life there. So I... I you know my views on that story. Uh, Jonathan LePaglia, who is the uh, Survivor host, uh, again, according to the Daily Mail and felt it was a, a story and photo, uh, holding hands with his daughter, Tilly, 16, as they wait at a pedestrian crossing on swanky Fifth Avenue in New York. What's that about?
1: It was a cheap grab at Clicks, wasn't it? Terrible. Man and
0: daughter walk through New York. Joke. No. Was it trying to allude to something
1: that's totally lost in me or? I, I thought it was poor. That's where it begins and ends for me, mm. the photo. Um, anyway, um, now, the, by the way, before we move off presidents, yes, there's been two big incoming presidents this year in 2021. We've passed judgment on one, Luke Sayer. Yep. Your words, it's not always easy coming into the role of a president and not knowing what you don't know. The second. Have <laughs> uh, I, I ever said that? The second incoming president is four months in, and that is the new president of the AFMA, the Australian Football Media Association, <laughs> yeah. Damien Barrett. Four months in, <laughs> yeah. you've got one annual venue a year, of course, in September. Yep. You're still struggling to find that second uh, annual uh, revenue activity to hang your hat on. Unlike you, Hachi, the, the world doesn't revolve around a revenue stream, um, so that, that has not been a, a major. Oh, well, clearly it doesn't at the AFMA and the Watch. Thankfully, thankfully for them too. What have you actually done in four months? So, what would you, what would you hang your hat on as being the, the the major point of difference that you've made at this point? Actually, I don't know where you're going with this particular aspect of this conversation. Could you run me through one thing you've achieved as president? Well, what do you want me to do? What, what, what uh, one thing? What, what, what do you think we should do? Well, if you've if you've done one thing, I'll call you the winner. If not, I'll call me the winner. What's the plan? Set. I might be might be broadcasting what the plan is to you. <laughs> what would I broadcast to you? What the plan will be? I'm a
0: potential sponsor. Actually, I heard that.
1: I did hear that. <laughs> I got a call from uh, I one, did hear one of your board, <laughs> Yeah. and I said I'd do my best to get involved. Once I heard, and, and all I, I heard first revealing... hand from Damo, what his vision is <laughs> for the AFMA. So all of our sounding board fraternity be keen to know. We look forward to the awards. That's yep. all. It, there'll be some type of there'll be some type of awards, won't there? There will be Hutchie. Yep.
0: And, and if you had have read your correspondence, that, that's been sent out now yep. probably for we'll, the last month or so. We will be involved as a sponsor. You will be. Yes. And what do you expect to get out of that?
1: Well, that's my point. It's almost I'm asking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where are you taking the organization so we can strategically align? Um Scott Morrison today has again addressed the covid issue in Australia Hachi and we weren't able to access the actual audio of this but I just want to read this out to you. This is our Prime Minister, and I think you know my views of him talking in soundbites, this is a quote. It is always darkest before the dawn, and I think these lockdowns are a demonstration of that. But the dawn is not far away. We should not delay it. We should prepare for it. We should not fear it. We should embrace it, and we should move forward together. What does that
1: mean? him from a different hymn book, isn't it, to the well, premiers? It sounds like a hymn book. Yep, and the premiers aren't aligned either on this. So the risk exposure is different everywhere. The situation has moved pretty quickly Clearly, New South Wales think their only way out is a London-style model, and they're moving towards... The premiers think that? I think New South Wales... I think I think Gladys Spiridiglian does think that. I think there's, you know, perhaps an opening view among some of the other premiers, if you read between the lines, that they're, you know, like, Victoria aren't selling zero like they were, are they? Well, they're still talking about driving it down. Yeah, but that's different to driving it out. So it looks like they're going to manage their risk. New South Wales look like they're trying to get to vaccine levels of... A level where, like, what are they? I think it's something like, don't, please don't uh, email me if this is wrong, (laughs) because I I won't respond. Um, It's something like 5% a week that they're getting at the moment in New South Wales. So they're on run rate to be, what are they, 32%? Something like that. So they're going to be 37, 42, 47. But in a I, month... I don't
0: have faith in any of our premiers or health departments, Hachi, that once we get to whatever figure it is that they've said, that they'll actually do anything. There'll then be another layer of protocol to wade through. There'll be a requirement of a booster shot. By the time we all get vaccinated, there'll be a booster shot requirement. Um, I, I don't have faith that they've got any idea what they're doing. I, I really don't. Yeah, well, I think
1: it's, you know, we're seeing in New Zealand, you will get some of the commentary around... There's commentary in the UK and uh, New York today saying New Zealand's COVID zero policy, you know, it's not going to work into the Delta environment. It, the Delta risks profile is different, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, can you actually get to even something resembling zero? And that's a, that would be the risk around Perth is, and I'm sure the AFL are thinking about this, and I'm sure they've got probably two options to think about, Perth and Adelaide. The big question would be if there is one case in Perth Are the are the state going to shut down on the back of that? Well, I think their actions this year would say yes. Correct. Whereas in Adelaide, are they are they going to shut down on one case? You know, is it less risky to play in Adelaide than Perth? That would versus the commercial deal and the optics of the best stadium, and they'll all be the things that are being debated. Because you could get an agreement to play the game in Perth, but I, I don't think
0: that means that the state doesn't get shut down. On the back of even one case, on the morning of the Graham of the grain filing question,
1: that's that's the risk is the the risk of shutdown. If you accept that COVID is going to get around everywhere eventually anyway, the, the Delta, you know, it's it's got into New South Wales and in, hard to imagine it not staying there for a long time. It's into Victoria and that this looks a tall order to get back to resembling zero here. It's got in and out of Queensland and in and out of South Australia. South Australia had, did have a snap lockdown admittedly, but they haven't every time. I, I just wonder whether it's not a consideration of the risk of the game being caught off in terms of where you play. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like for all- so, so
0: would you, are you would you make the more conservative decision and and not take it to WA and maybe give it to SA?
1: Well, you've got to risk wherever you go, right? So
0: it, it's yeah. you, you can't avoid risk. There'll be a plan B involved here that we won't know about until required to be enacted. I would have thought. Yeah, I, I would think, and that- Queensland
1: could be plan B regardless. Yeah, but it's going to be a, like a, there would be an argument, wouldn't there, for no split round, for the grand final on the preliminary final day. Yep. Yeah. That was discussed last week. And a reserved day of a Saturday after. Then run the exercise of it being Perth. There's a case day of, morning of, three cases. Perth are going to shut down. That's what they do. They're not going to change that behavior for the AFL. It does then leave your time to get into another state called Adelaide or Brisbane so, whereas if you push back into October, it gets a bit more problematic. Not impossible, but yeah. but you would think – they, I wouldn't think they'll announce the venue without a plan B attached to the venue. Publicly? Yeah, I think so. So, I don't know which way it'll go. I could make a real case for Adelaide. The
0: Unfortunately, though, for Adelaide, as we speak – this is getting a little bit technical here, actually – but um, for the qualifying finals, and there's two of them this week, there'll only be a 15,000 crowd max yep. for both. That's not a big crowd. It's not, but it's better than it's better than uh, no crowd. But it's not as good as sixty. No, but which is available if Perth stays open under the
1: strict quarantine rules, though. Yes, yeah. Yep. Perth, you'd have to say Perth has got its nose in front, but it could go any which way. I could make a case for Tassie, by the way. No, you can't. You can make. Well, you're going to get more people there in there than what are they going to get? Seventeen thousand in Launceston. They'll get ten.
0: They're restricted, I think, at fifty percent. Yeah. yeah, so okay. it'll be ten. It'll be ten for the two finals in in Launceston this week. Yep. Um. Your man Kevin Rudd, Hutchie's had another crack Why at Why is he my man? Well, he's probably not your man. He's certainly not my man either, but he's had another crack at uh, Murdoch over over the plans for Sky News and that's just a, a daily rant. Um I see as we speak here today, Four Corners is having another another go at um the whole Murdoch thing, which will um set off all the columnists at the Australian again, I'd imagine, Hutchie. I haven't I've seen a couple of snippets and promos for the Four Corners episode tonight. Um I what? think it'll be a valid uh argument raised. What's his argument going to be? I don't know what the no. I don't think I don't think Rudd's on Four Corners. I think uh, it, it's more US based on how Murdoch is basically backed Trump, which I think's been well known over the journey. I, I personally, I, I'm not going to be tuning into it tonight. For what it's worth, I often do look at Four Corners, but not tonight.
1: Speaking of the ABC, have you caught up with the news ready yet? It's up. We're this no. Episode two. Is it worth it? Yep. You love a newsroom yeah, style <laughs> sitcom. I do. It's it actually shines a lot on some of the portraits of newsrooms in the past, but um, which I'm sure it's part of its part of its mojo. But the uh, last
0: one you recommended me, I didn't like catchy that one with um Jennifer Aniston. I, I just did not like you, that. I found like it, it self indulgent rubbish. Yeah, that's what newsrooms yeah. are. No, but I felt the actual presentation of it. You've I did ever, like have, the you've a,
1: have you ever been in a non-self-indulgent <laughs> newsroom in no, your career? No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's the product.
0: We're in a self-indulgent uh, radio studio right now, we the two of indeed. us, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. It's probably never been more self-indulgent spoken than us two in the last 40 minutes. Uh
1: off to a good start, the newsroom. When you've you know, lived in a version of that world, it does ring a bit truer to you than perhaps the average yeah. punters. I don't know how the average punters are going with it, but I'm enjoying it. Give, uh, it, a, give it a go. All right, I will. I will. Out of season, though. I'll wait till the season finishes and
0: watch it on. Uh, Why would you wait for the it? season finishes? I don't sure. have time, Hutchie. You know what? I, you know I'm s- wide, stupidly. I don't. I don't watch, with the next story. I don't know. watch drama while the season's on because I feel like I should be making phone calls, which sometimes I don't make anyway. But I just don't feel like I should be um, awesome. relaxing, which is a problem, Hutchie, Now let's get to the question of the week time for Drinkwise. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to DrinkWise. We'll go to James Hawkins today on Twitter. Has the AFL instructed players not to make public comments about government lockdowns and other COVID-related policies? Simple question.
1: My Um, my best guess would be they've encouraged that, yeah. I would think the AFLPA would have said, it's hard enough hmm. navigating government as it is without adding to it. And I don't have a problem with that if they did, because I know there's Andrew Bogut uh, was the counter view on that on the weekend, and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's his right and prerogative. I think that what I would say to that, Damo, is you can control things within. It's not good commercial sense for a player if you're a player and your livelihood depends on playing. Do you want to be critical of governments who are your only chance of playing? Like, is it in your interest to do it? No. It's not, and it doesn't mean you might not privately think that, and yeah, sit around the kitchen table and say oh, you wouldn't. i can't believe what they're doing, but we always run the upside downside on these things yeah what's the upside of getting it off your chest versus the downside of annoying someone? bringing
0: yeah and and we do know that uh, criticism of certain bodies i e governments at times can result in a uh, negative outcome for person or organization I't know makes no I don't, that. It, oh, nah, I I don't do. think they
1: react that, that 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 much, I reckon they do. But but, what what's the upside of attacking a government if you know that you need them or someone who works for them to try and yeah. keep the games going? And and the
0: other aspect and, and layer of this, layer of complexity to this, is that there's different governments,
1: obviously, and in different, different states and different rules and different stages of COVID in each state. If I'm running the, the AFL, which I never will, but if I am, I'd say to the players, hey, we're going to do all we can here to keep everything going all the time as much as we can, we're going to get some things right, we're going to get some things wrong. Please Do you, please don't add to our drama by attacking anyone, be it a government official or otherwise, on or Qantas or anyone like that. We just want to you know, let us handle the discussions behind the scenes yeah. and if you can maintain a, a, a considered public face. That would be my view. You're exposed to
0: to some of the goings-on to a greater nature than I am, Hutch. You've given you a rights hold of the AFL and you also run your own business. Are you, as we sit here right now, as surprised as I am that they've been able to get – this is the AFL – been able to get through the 198 matches of the home and away season this year with what has actually been in place?
1: No. I, because I am. I'm not. Because they're because of their scale, I mean, A, they're an economic driver. B, because of their scale, they've got – the chances are they've got the most talented people of all the organisations. They and the NRL are the biggest, so they've got the most number of smart people working for them, you could say. And and they've got the the workforce to actually combat all the challenges. So they're actually, you know, you got part of the problem is personnel. Like that a lot of, the, I'm sure a lot of labour gets left with the rights holders. If you can tick these 35 boxes, you're okay. And if you're a smaller sport, you go, well, we haven't really got 15 people to work on the 35 boxes." Where, yeah, if you're a bigger business, I'd assume that you, you're better equipped and you got more leverage. You got more capital. They have got more things. They can, they can. Um, Oh. You know, like Tasmania, the final was a chip probably. Yeah. South Australia, you know, wouldn't have a long time. You know, there's, there's, there's future days for all these these states too, isn't yeah, there?
0: Yeah, okay. Because I'm actually, I, I think, I actually feel they've actually had more obstacles in 2021 than they actually had in 2020. I would agree with that.
1: Yeah, they've, they've yep. had to deal with more. Like the the Queensland risk profiles changed significantly. Hasn't it?
0: yep. Yep. All right. Well, that was our question of the week, and that was the Sounding Board for DrinkWise, episode 30, series 6. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email the sounding Board at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise.